Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. You know, Clara, if you'll permit me for a second, there's a whole Pentecost-like sermon in how you all go about this. You all ever notice this? I've said this line in church before. It's one of my favorite lines from any ancient Christian ever, who said, we lift our hands so that our hearts may follow. If you haven't heard me say that a hundred times by now, you'll hear me say it a hundred more times. You'll be tired of me saying it, but I'm going to keep saying it. We lift our hands so that our hearts may follow. And so one of my favorite things about choirs is that choirs will get up. You all did this this morning. You all are like, all right, we got to sing. And there's this certain kind of posture and all that that a choir will take, you know, as they try to perform. But as they get going, the body starts to move a little bit, like you can't quite stay still, and I just loved watching you all allow that sort of spirit to just kind of come in. It was a whole sermon in and of itself that as we worship, the spirit fills us and gets us moving. So thank you for preaching to me this morning. I'm very, very grateful for it. That's the choir. We're also going to talk about the confirmands for a little bit. To the confirmands that are here, I'm sorry I'm going to make you the center of attention for just a couple of minutes, I promise. But for those of you who don't know, for the last year, well, I shouldn't say the whole year, since October, six intrepid, wide-eyed, and to a certain extent, scared of the big, tall pastor they're still getting to know, confirmands have spent Thursday evenings in the basement not only studying the Bible, but playing a lot of Foursquare, a lot of card games, eating a lot of pizza, and doing the best they can to ignore me in a wonderful and beautiful understanding way. But we spent the last year telling this grand story of the Bible, the story of our creation, the devastation that is the fall and sinfulness and the brokenness of the world, and ultimately, redemption. And we've tried talking about how these aren't just isolated chapters, but these themes run through literally everything in the Scriptures. We've told grand and sweeping narratives of talking serpents, splitting seas, burning bushes, brash kings, mouthy prophets. We've tried to learn how to spell Nebuchadnezzar, virgin births, resurrections, and yes, even tongues of fire. And as I say all these things, like anybody who thinks the Bible is boring hasn't spent enough time with it. It may be predictable we hear these stories, but it is far from boring. Because it is a sprawling, dynamic, and extraordinary meta-narrative. It is all these little stories woven together into a big and beautiful story that teaches us about faith. But there's always a question at the end of the class, after we do all this Bible stuff. And the question, if I can ask it so boldly, is, well, who cares? Like, wait a second, you're not supposed to say that. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but we do say that sometimes, right? Does knowing how to spell Nebuchadnezzar and knowing all 12 apostles, does that make us better humans? Makes us better spellers. But does it make us better humans? Does it make us better Christians? Does it make us better disciples? Why do we care and why do we submit these wonderful young men and one woman to all of this? The story of Pentecost is why we do this. The story of Pentecost is why we should care. And it starts not by trying to explain to you that the Bible and the stories matter. 
It starts by knowing the stories of our faith. The stories of our faith have weight and they matter if we hear them in such a way that they give life. And the way that we might crack open this story of Pentecost, and I asked my confirmants to listen to this carefully, we're going to crack open the story of Pentecost by actually looking at what Pentecost is. Because in our reading today, which by the way, this is the worst Sunday of the year to lay reads, okay, I say, I say thank you very much, it is, this one is brutal, okay, thank you. But the story opens on the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered together. And the astute reader will go, wait a second, aren't we like inventing the day of Pentecost? How did they already know to call it that? Well, no, Pentecost was already a holiday. We didn't invent it, it actually doesn't belong to Christians. It belongs to our brothers and sisters who are Jewish. And it, well, it, it took two different forms. It originated as a story, as a, as a celebration of the first fruits of the harvest. Their agriculture year, a little different than our agricultural year, but it was, a, it was sort of a harvest home kind of thing, and there's a piece of me that loves that about Pentecost. But as it changed, as Israel was no longer on its land, it, it changed a little bit, and they started to think about it in different ways. And on Pentecost, they started telling the story, not of the fields, but the stories of the wilderness. We remember the stories, do we not? My brothers and sisters, my confirmands, about how the Israelites were freed from Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea. And the story tells us that the Israelites walked for 50 days in the desert until they finally arrived at Mount Sinai. And it was on Mount Sinai, right guys? That there God gave them the law. It is one thing to be freed from oppression. It is another thing to have an identity and to be a people. And that's what Pentecost was. God says to them on that mountain, he says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You see what I do to oppressors. And you saw how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Then God says, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, he gives them a choice, if you will listen and keep my covenant, You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Them's big words, and them's big words from the mouth of God on Sinai. Pentecost, which literally means 50 days. It's the celebration of the day when, the, it, when these freed slaves arrived on Mount Sinai and God gave them the Torah, the law, which Moses went up onto the mountain to receive. And we might see it in our heads in a cartoonish way, Moses carrying around these two tablets, but it's more than tablets. God gave them a way of being together, a way of life. And it's in that moment that Israel was formed into a nation, a people with an identity, And from that moment on, their covenant with God is enshrined in the Torah. And that Torah will shape every part of their lives. And this is where some of the boring parts of the Bible do come in. But if we dig deeper, God has something to say about every aspect of our lives. There is nothing outside of the purview of God. There's commitment to God, how they will worship. There is stuff in there about how you take care of your land, how you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, how you will relax, how you will worship. God cares about it all. And all of it, and this is a message for us, lifts us up and opens us up to the idea that everything we do is about worship. Yes, even putting away hay on a Saturday evening, coming to church the next day. But through it all, God's activity, the liberation of Passover, 
leads to the divine community of Pentecost. That's what Pentecost is about. So the people gather to celebrate Pentecost. And the people come to Jerusalem to celebrate the giving of the law. And it's no mistake that after 50 days, 50 days after Jesus is crucified, on this day of Pentecost, God sends them a law, yes? But it is not a law the way that God sent Moses a law. There is no book, read, there is no Bible delivered on Pentecost. There is no boundaries or nobody's walking out, Peter's going, hey guys, here's the new stuff we're supposed to do. No. What does God send? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Pentecost, then, is not just the birthday of the church, which we often say, and I appreciate that, but as if we were just founding another social organization or club, or just a group of people who like to worship. No, it is the completion of what God started on Sinai when God said, I will make you a nation of priests and a holy nation. We now live, according to the story of Pentecost, not according to the dictates of law and order. Rather, we live by the Spirit of God, which is, quite frankly, the Spirit of love. And so on this day, in the same way that God took these freed people and made them a people, now through God's activity, the liberation that happened on the cross, 50 days turns out into the divine community that is Pentecost, inspired and breathed into by the very life of God, the very Holy Spirit. And we are now, make no mistake about it, called to be a nation of priests, a holy nation. Now, not a nation the way that we think of nation. We are called out of all of that into something completely different. But our purpose as a community is to proclaim the mighty deeds of Jesus Christ who is now and will continue to liberate the world and to participate and advocate for that liberation. God frees us in the cross and gives us an identity at Pentecost. So God is calling all people. And this is our message. You can be freed from all that burdens you, freed from sin, death, and the devil, as Luther said, and we are freed through Pentecost to live life as freed people. And so we learn these stories of faith, not so that we might obey a law, and not so that we might impress other churchgoers with how much of the Bible we know. We learn these stories that we might learn to love. We might learn to love ourselves. Who am I in the eyes of God? Well, you are God's beloved children. Who are we? We are a holy nation. And what is God doing? God is always in the process of bringing in the kingdom of God, which we talked about last week is over and above all kingdoms. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord. We learn these stories because they transform how we see the world and how we understand ourselves. And once we grab a hold of that, and it's always a little slippery, it's always a little hard to get our hands around, but once we grab hold of that, we become, in the words of God, priests. Now, you're lucky. You don't have to do it standing around these things. But we are called to be priests, to go we make sacrifices. We say, look, I'm going to set this aside so that the world might know the goodness of God. We are called to take that message to the world. And so to Charlotte and Grant, Eli, Ryan, Caleb, Ethan, and y'all, all of us together, 
are sent to the world. The story of Pentecost is not just the story of kids that get confirmed. The story of Pentecost is the story of us all being made new creations through the cross and getting an identity through the Holy Spirit. So friends, the Bible and the stories that we share is not just some sort of spiritual cup of coffee intended to give us some caffeinated spirituality and a pep talk when we need it. No. Our story is that a kingdom is coming, that it is all changing. Thank God it is all changing. And Pentecost shows us the power of God that resides in the world and in you and in me to work towards that kingdom. Pentecost is a day to remind us that we are being perpetually renewed. It's not just about getting through life. It's that we have an entire story that challenges the world and the powers that oppress. And we're called to live into that kingdom that is coming and to allow ourselves to be transformed into the people God has always called us to be. To allow the old to burn away. This is why we celebrate fire on this day. The old will burn away so that a new self can emerge and be purified and live the life we have been called to live. And so on this Sunday, which finally kind of brings to a close everything we started in Lent and Holy Week and Easter and all of it, as we kind of bring it all to a close, as we are sent into what the church calls ordinary time, the time after this, usually through the summer, we are not sent as ordinary people. We are sent as extraordinary people to go and to proclaim a message of renewal for the world. And our prayer as a congregation would start that each of us would be renewed. And our special prayer would be that the young men and women who we are blessed to be in partnership with as we walk this journey of faith would be renewed first. And that, they would, that our young people would dream the dreams and would prophesy, would see things we can't see. So that the ordinariness of what we do might be translated into the extraordinariness of God's love for us all. So with these thoughts in mind, let us sing, let us celebrate, let us look for the newness that God is bringing to us. Amen. Amen.